Kamla Māori, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Arau Koroi Hawkins. Coming up first... We did achieve the reforms that the Micronesian sub-region was asking, and maybe beyond. Development focus for day two of the PEF Leaders Summit, despite Kiribati's glaring absence. The caretaker Prime Minister, James Marape, was declared in Paripori electorate. First election results are announced in Papua New Guinea and... There is uh, the home sign that they developed with the family, but there is also limitation. Solomon Islands' deaf community are to benefit from a new educational project. Day two of the Pacific Island Forum Leaders Meeting in Suva has been an eventful one despite the absence of some regional leaders. Kiribati's shock withdrawal ahead of the meeting set the tone for discussions, but also absent out of the 18 member states and territories were the leaders of the Marshall Islands and Nauru. It's understood Papua New Guinea's caretaker Prime Minister James Marape is en route to Fiji and other member countries whose leaders are physically absent are being represented at the talks by special envoys. Ahead of today's forum leaders' meetings in Suva, the President of the Federated States of Micronesia, David Panuelo, reiterated his country's commitment to staying in the Pacific Islands Forum. He shared his thoughts about Kiribati's departure with RNZ Pacific's regional correspondent, Kelvin Anthony. We're saddened to you hear about the news from Kiribati. It's a bit surprising because we believe that the Suva Agreement, when we came last month and met with the Forum Chair, was a big achievement. You know, I did say the big cloud has lifted you know, from the Pacific. Because of that achievement, uh, we did achieve the reforms that the Micronesian sub-region was uh, asking and maybe beyond, uh, you know, to in 18 months to uh, uh, come and uh, take on the secretary general position for five years. I think that's a very uh, reasonable achievement to uh, also have a sub-office in Micronesia of the Pacific Islands Forum that would be similar to the uh, SPC and also the uh, ocean uh, Pacific Ocean Commissioner's uh, office to be in Micronesia, including uh, the Ocean Commissioner's uh, position to be a Micronesian. I think that is a big achievement. It is something that the Forum Chair and I thank uh, you know uh, uh, Paine Marama, the Prime Minister of uh, Fiji, very uh, adept at uh, uh, you know working with us at the eleventh hour. And so having that big achievement, it was a, a big surprise for us uh, that Kiribati uh, is not on board. All the four uh, uh, other members are on board. Three have signed, and I believe uh, Nauru will be signing now that they're here. And, and so uh, we, our preference is to, uh, you know, humbly invite uh, Kiribati to come on board. When one is not on board with the Pacific family, we're not quite there yet. And so we've been trying to reach out to him uh, to no avail. The forum uh, chair has been trying and also his uh, envoy that he's been sending right to... Kumobola. Uh, yes, uh, he's been uh, trying to also reach out. And so uh, for us, you know, the strength in this art is in our numbers as a Pacific bloc. We've been advancing and championing climate change. It's a very big issue, the number one uh, existential security threat for our uh, Pacific region. And so... It is especially sad because we feel that the fracture is uh, a thing of the past. Uh, these reforms will be institutionalized and uh, will never be something that we'll worry about. So the Pacific strength is uh, uh, stronger than before. 
and that's why it is sad, but uh, uh, we're going to be issuing a joint statement, Palau, FSM, uh, Marshall Islands and Nauru, uh, to uh, speak to that issue, and I think we will share with you so that you can know what the uh, position of these four uh, countries are. So you, you did mention that you were a bit surprised with Kiribati's uh, move. So was that something that the Micronesian President Summit didn't have any awareness of that uh, they might, that Kiribati might be a bit upset about the the Suva agreement and and what it contained, or, or they felt that they were not listened to as per the letter that. Uh, well, you know, when the forum chair invited the MPS members to come so we can talk at the eleventh hour, uh, some of us were not able to make it, uh, but they gave us the confidence that. Uh, they are with us when they came, when we came. So uh, myself and President Palau came here for that meeting. We discussed those reforms and we, we had a very intense meeting when the forum chair uh, saw that we reached the middle ground. Uh, he was very happy. There was a, a big relief that uh, you know, uh, MBS members would be coming back to the forum family. And so we had to take a, a, a make a judgment call that, you know, we tried reaching out to uh, Kiribati and uh, was not uh, successful. We reached uh, Nauru and he gave us the confidence to represent uh, him. Similarly, uh, President of Marshall Islands uh, appointed a special envoy. So we all signed the super agreement. Uh, the uh, high-level political mechanism uh, uh, or dialogue mechanism also signed on to it the Fiji Prime Minister, the Prime Minister of Samoa, and the Prime Minister of uh, Cook Islands. So everybody was happy and, uh, uh, you know, uh, said that other members will be coming to uh, uh, sign on the super agreement during this uh, uh, meeting in person after, uh, what, three years uh, since uh, 2019. So you can see the, uh, the hope that uh, this is going to be a, a Know, happy occasion uh, coming here, but uh, we are saddened about the development that uh, Kiribati is uh, not on board. Now, uh, you are here and President Whips is here, uh, but the President of the Marshall Islands is not here uh, and uh, the President of Nauru is not here. Uh, is, is the MPS still united in its vision uh, that is trying to achieve you know, regional solidarity and unity? We are, we are united, uh, in fact, uh, so all uh, countries are here except uh, Kiribati. I think uh, Nauru is having uh, issues of uh, containing the COVID spread, the community spreads, and so he's not here. You can understand that. And similarly, I think uh, Marshall Islands uh, uh, may have sent a delegation, uh, but they are uh, they've sent a letter uh, to the forum chair uh, saying that they support the SUVA agreement and that they will be uh, uh, giving its uh, full support to that uh, SUVA agreement. And so I think with the members of the forum being here uh, for the first time in a long time after the COVID uh, you know, has, has kept us apart, being here in person is a very important uh, effort by all of us uh, to strengthen our Pacific family and, and advocate uh, climate change and then discuss the security issues, uh, the 2050 uh, uh, strategy uh, that leaders will be endorsing during this uh, forum meeting.
Meanwhile, Elisha Foon was at the first Pacific Leaders Talanoa, which focused on Pacific-centred development, with combating gender violence a strong theme. A symbolic performance by a group of Ikiribas dancers gracing the stage at the Suva Pacific Civic Centre. The opening, yet another reminder of missing member Kiribas. A heavily scripted Pacific Talanoa with key leaders from Palau, Vanuatu, Tonga and Australia focused on people at the centre. On stage is President of Palau, Surango Whips Jr., Minister for Foreign Affairs and Tourism of Tonga, Fikita Moeloa, Utoi Kamanu, Vanuatu Prime Minister Bob Lofman, and Australian Foreign Affairs Minister Penny Wong. All leaders reading out their scripts, with Australia's Wong the exception. A question from the floor on gender-based violence, sparked by Reverend James Bagwan, who probed the leaders on the issue during a controlled Q&A. In the context of the 2050 strategy, and the high prevalence of gender-based violence in our region, uh, including Aotearoa New Zealand and the land now called Australia. What commitments and shifts do we need to see when looking at the review of the Pacific Leaders' Gender Equality Declaration? Penny Wong spoke to this. Gender-based violence we see in every society, in every country, uh, and it is tragic, um, it is costly, it's hurtful, uh, and it means that there are too many, particularly women and girls, who are unable to fulfil their potential. And here's Tonga's Foreign Affairs Minister. Uh, Gender-based violence is everybody's business. And as we've seen, you know, one of the impacts of the lockdown in COVID globally, you know, there was an increase in the, the level of, uh, of gender-based uh, violence. Bagwan says the churches of the Pacific have a lot of influence, but there is still a long way to go to address patriarchal mindsets. How do we work to address uh, removing those toxic strands in our Pacific masculinity um, and, and replacing that with more responsible strands? Um, so that's, that's a key area that we need to work on. The challenge this week is that there's not enough time. It's been two years or more since many of the leaders have met, some are meeting for the first time, and it's being done in three days. Throughout this forum, media have been kept at bay, and this Talanoa is no exception. Access to leaders is difficult and always just out of reach. Despite media being invited, there was no opportunity to ask questions, only pre-approved questions by friends of the forum allowed, before the leaders were whisked away. A promo video featuring the Blue Pacific ended the Talanoa as the curtains came down on the show. With a 2050 strategy for the Blue Pacific continent in place, we can work together as one united region. But with the forum absent of two members, Kiribati and Marshall Islands, it's clear the region is not entirely unified. Election results for some electorates in Papua New Guinea are starting to trickle in, even as polling is only just getting underway in other electorates in the massive Pacific Island country, with its population of almost 9 million the very first election result to be confirmed came on Monday amid what has been a chaotic election period so far, with at least two more weeks of polling and counting to come. I spoke with RNZ Pacific's Papua New Guinea correspondent, Scott Whitey. The caretaker Prime Minister, James Marape, was declared in Taripori electorate um, of 
just spoken to a few friends who were there during the counting and the declaration. It was relatively quiet. There was a very brief celebration, and then uh, he left again uh, for, for Port Mosby. Uh, so it, it, there's, there's not uh, the reports of violence uh, happened in Magarima, which was away from Tari, uh, and that puts him, uh, I guess, from a standpoint of the formation of government and all that, it puts him, uh, it gives him a head start, sort of, as uh, leader of Pangu. Um, the deputy party leader of Pangu, uh, who is uh, Ginson Saonu, the uh, Morabe governor, isn't doing too well on the count in, in the Morabe provincial regional su- uh, seat. Uh, he's trailing far behind. There's, there are uh, at least four other candidates ahead of him. Um, the latest results are yet to come out in the next uh, hour, so I'll, I'll check that as well. Uh, but he's, he's, he's definitely trailing. The Deputy Prime Minister, uh, incumbent Deputy Prime Minister, John Rosso, is uh, first uh, in the lay district count, and he's, he's doing quite well. Uh, last count was uh, 1,800 ahead of his nearest rival. So uh, that's that's the situation out of me on the you know important seats that uh, people are following. The Finchhafen seat, uh, Finchhafen district uh, began polling today. So they had a few disputes over which role to use, and that's been resolved as of yesterday. And uh, today the polling officials have gone down to the district and have begun. And another electorate that people have been following is the Wabeg Open Seat, and Wabeg Open Seat belongs to uh, Dr. Tom Lino. Um, and Dr. Lino has been uh, very active in connecting you know, roads into rural areas, so they, they couldn't get the ballot papers out earlier because there were threats of violence and uh, along the roads. So they flew in security into uh, one, one elected uh, Maramuri to extract all the ballot ballot boxes. Uh, no trouble there, just peaceful handover of ballot boxes. Um, so that's uh, the update from yesterday. East Sepik is uh, a few electorates in East Sepik are expected to begin polling tomorrow and the declarations are expected to be announced on Saturday, Sunday. Uh, one electorate is Yanguru Sausia and that's the electorate of uh, Richard Maru who was the uh, former planning minister uh, in the previous government. So he's, it's one electorate that people are also watching to see whether he will retain his seat. So his, his, the declaration for that seat is expected on the weekend. Thank you, Thomas. And um, a little bit about security. You mentioned a bit there in your roundup of the 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 polling and the counting. Uh, there have been some some skirmishes. So are, are security still tight as we go into this is what the second of three weeks of polling that is expected? Yes, yes. It's uh, the, the thing that uh, a lot of people outside don't uh, really get is that election violence in Papua New Guinea is not like uh, an organized front. It's uh, usually very tribal or clashes that appear because of disagreements. Um, say, for example, in uh, Laegam, where... Uh, people tried to hijack the ballot boxes. That was a one-off incident where uh, you, you had 
two factions clashing uh, over ballot boxes. But it it flares up and then it goes down. There's no, um, you know, organized type of election violence where we're supporting this guy and we, we have to get this party into office and we we organize like that. No, no, it's it's not like that. Yeah, no, definitely. I get it. <laughs> I think uh, um, Solomon Islands has this a similar problem with trying to prosecute writers when it comes to political. They always try and find leaders, but they're, they're yeah, quite very um, spontaneous and sporadic events. Um, <laughs> uh, the the so just just looking a bit a bit forward now for the next few weeks more more polling in parts and and more counting and results coming is that is that sort of what we're looking at in the next uh, yes. few days? Yes. What, what you will expect, what we will expect over the next few days and few weeks is uh, the, for the ballot papers in ballot boxes in some of the most remote parts of the country uh, be brought into a central location and then uh, the counting to start. Um, It's a very uh, sensitive period uh, and the transportation of ballot papers has always been controversial uh, and it's it's a source of controversy. Sometimes there's like a basis to it. Other times it's just the distrust that uh, triggers complaints. So it's it's uh, the need for transparency. Utmost transparency is crucial when you're dealing with uh, ballot papers in in a, in a country like Papua New Guinea, where you you have to satisfy tribe, clan, and the uh, scrutinies of candidates, um, rival candidates, incumbents. So all of that put together, it's a very potent mix of disagreement and counterattacks and all that. A new sign language project in Solomon Islands aims to increase and normalize the use of the language. Deafness is one of the most common disabilities reported in the country and with little support available, it often leads to high levels of poverty-related diseases and extreme isolation for deaf people. The new sign language project aims to address these impacts. Led by representatives from the Australian Catholic University and Catholic Education Authority in Honiara, the project will train deaf and hearing people across the Solomon Islands in Auslan before sending them into remote communities where deaf children and young adults live. Susana Suizuiki has the story. Since 2016, Sister Maria Ferolo has dedicated her mission to serve Honiara's San Isidro Care Centre for disabled children. Sister Ferolo says the deaf are often left behind, despite some of them developing their own unique ways of communicating. Many are still out there in the communities, really live in isolation because of this barrier in communication. There is uh, the home sign that they develop with the family, but there is also limitation into into that um, kind of communication, which may be... Uh, helpful in you know in the circle in the family or the immediate community but when they go to a bigger community they're left out however bridging the gap in communication will soon be a reality through a sign language project supported by the governments of australia new zealand and solomon islands sign language trainees are currently being recruited and will be based at the san isidro care center for three months before they're sent out to remote communities the project lead is Dr. Milita Jones, an associate professor at the Australian Catholic University. Jones says relatives of deaf children and the wider community are also being encouraged to learn to sign. 
we're not restricting it to just children. Um, we're also running sessions after school so that parents and families can come and try to learn sign language. And it, it's just about that connection with people. It's a human condition, isn't it, that we connect with one another. Trainees of the project will be eligible for Certificate of Teaching and Learning from the University, recognised by the Solomon Islands Ministry of Education for Employment in Schools and Other Institutions. Catholic Education Authority Director Modesta Hasiao says the qualification will address the shortage of disabled learning teachers. We only have a limited number of teachers who are who are partially, they were only passion driven, but they are not qualified teachers. Even the Technical Teachers College doesn't also address that need. So what I'm saying is we are working to bridge the gap in this area as well. Former school principal Jackson Meke says implementing inclusive education in the past has been difficult, given the limited resources and funding. He says the sign language project is a start for the Solomons government to take inclusive education more seriously. There is very little effort in, in implementing or preparing schools in, in Solomon Islands to address inclusive education for students with general disability. When I was a principal, we tried our best to address um, an individual case in our school with vision um, impairment. Um, and it is quite expensive to, to have even one student to try and treat him differently. And that is something that the government needs to, to know. With Solomon Islands International Border now open, Dr Jones says she's looking forward to working firsthand with deaf children and their communities. There's a lack of empowerment for many people and, and so for me, working with deaf people who feel so isolated in their communities, I think that's a just a really unique way to, to try to get some empowering education opportunities and, and I'm really driven by that so I feel very privileged to have the opportunity to do it. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts and if you're using Apple please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Kurawa for tuning in and sapo until next time. <laughs>